Welcome to the Join My League Football Podcast with your host, Tim Kaleka. And then there were two. Welcome to the Join My League Football Podcast, and we are a quarter of the way through the NFL's regular season. 25% closer to the playoffs, and there are just two undefeated teams left in the National Football League. Both the LA Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs improved their records to 4-0 this past weekend with victories over the Minnesota Vikings and Denver Broncos, respectively. And I'm going to be 100% honest when I say that, unfortunately, that irritating, obnoxious 1972 Dolphins team will be popping their champagne bottle sooner rather than later because neither the Rams or the Chiefs are good enough to go undefeated this year. Undefeated talk uh, it usually doesn't begin until a team goes 8 or 9-0, and but I just thought I'd throw that out there. For one, while the Rams are currently the class of the league, the tough part of their schedule hasn't even begun yet. They've played the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Chargers, and Vikings. The Raiders and Cardinals, most people, except me, knew they were going to go into this year and they were going to be trash. The Chargers and Vikings were considered Super Bowl contenders a month ago. Now they're just playoff hopefuls at this point. The opponents they face so far have a combined 4-9-1 record on the year. Going forward over the next couple of weeks, the Rams are going to face teams with a combined record of 8-7-1. Games against the 49ers, the Broncos, the Saints, and the Packers. They also have games against the Eagles, Chiefs, and the surprising Bears before the playoffs begin. Any one of those games could go either way, so tough sledding ahead for uh, the league's most dangerous team. I know a lot can happen, especially with players around the league dropping like flies due to injuries, but at quick glance, looking at the remaining games for LA, I can see them finishing a solid 12-4, and and that might be good enough to net them the number one or number two seed. The Chiefs, on the other hand, they're a little trickier to figure out. You know, we expected this kind of start from the Rams, but the Chiefs, not so much. In fact, their defense is the worst in the league. I felt like ESPN had wiretapped my house on Monday night because every time I said out loud, the Chiefs defense is awful, it's terrible, it's the worst in the league. The commentators on Monday Night Football would mimic my statement. It's unbelievable. The Chiefs' defense, they can't cover, they can't tackle, and if not for an off-pass by Case Keenum to Demarius Thomas late in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs would most likely have suffered their first loss of the season. They haven't had the easiest of schedules out the gate, but they've gotten the job done. Their schedule is about to toughen up in a hurry, and it starts this Sunday. If they can get past Jacksonville this week, they're going to have to worry about traveling to Foxborough to take on the Patriots before hosting the Bengals. And before you know it, it's going to be week 11, and we'll be treated to a potential Game of the Year candidate when the Rams and Chiefs actually face off. So those are your undefeated teams in a nutshell. And on the flip side, in my opinion, it's the Bills and Giants on a collision course to the number one pick in April's draft. The Bills just don't have the talent to be competitive this year. Despite the impressive showing in Minnesota a couple of weeks ago, I think that was more of a fluke than anything. And the New York Giants, well... They just don't know what in the world they're doing. If I had to pick right now, it'd be the Bills winding up with the worst record in the league based on the fact that their schedule is a bit tougher than New York's. And in the middle, we have a couple of teams who are underachieving a quarter of the way through the year. You got the 1-2-1 Pittsburgh Steelers, the 1-2-1 Minnesota Vikings, and the 2-2 Philadelphia Eagles. Now, most confident in the Eagles, I'm most confident in them being able to right their ship. Their team's getting healthier by the minute, 
And I think that's really the only thing holding them back, except for, say, a Super Bowl hangover, if you really believe in that. Not ready to throw in the towel yet on the Minnesota Vikings. And as far as the Steelers go, they play the Atlanta Falcons this Sunday. And whoever loses that game, they're going to have quite the uphill battle, I'll tell you that. And we're going to talk about that game a little bit later, but for now, it's time for some quick hits. Trade talks regarding Le'Veon Bell's future destination, they've quieted down a lot over the last couple of days. The Steelers are still listening to offers, but said they've had no serious discussions with other teams. And that includes the New York Jets and the Indianapolis Colts, who were both considered heavy favorites to land Bell. Bell has stated that he will report to the team during the Steelers' Week 7 bye, if not traded before them. Several teams will get key pieces back this week as a number of star players are set to return after serving a four-game suspension to start the year. Among the players returning are Patriots wideout Julian Edelman, Bengals linebacker Vontez Perfect, Saints running back Mark Ingram, and Ravens cornerback Jimmy Smith. Seahawks linebacker Michael Kendricks has been suspended indefinitely by the NFL and the team has announced that he's out until further notice. Kendricks is facing up to 25 years in jail after evidence showed he received tips regarding rising stock prices of four companies that netted him nearly $1.2 million. Kendricks pleaded guilty on September 6th. Now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we are a quarter of the way through the NFL season, and it's about this time that the good teams begin to separate themselves from the bad teams. You start getting a better idea of where everyone sits. But as we see every year, there are certain teams, they start out strong and they tend to fade away. So I think it's a pretty good time to try to figure out who's a contender and who's a pretender. And I'm going to start off with a pretender. And I'm not, I'm not playing games. I'm going right at it, dude. Going right at it. The Kansas City Chiefs, they're a pretender. I know we just talked about them, but I felt like I could not leave them off this list. They're not Super Bowl bound, and I'm not even sure they're playoff bound. Between... That garbage defense and the history of Andy Reid meltdowns, I feel their success will be short-lived, and I think the Chargers are going to wind up winning that division with relative ease by three or so games. Now the Chicago Bears, I believe that's a team, they're very, very capable of competing with anyone. So I'm going to chalk them up as a contender. Once the deal for Khalil Mack was finalized, I came on this podcast Instead, if their offense can be manageable, this team can very well make a playoff run this year. Well, six touchdowns against Tampa Bay, with five of those coming in the first half for Mitch, that told me everything I needed to know. Now, this offense is not elite, and no, Trubisky isn't the second coming of Peyton Manning, but for a franchise who have always had trouble scoring on offense, a six-touchdown, 48-point game is something the team and fan base have been waiting for for a long, long time. The defense is borderline great already, but their schedule is pretty cake the rest of the way. I didn't expect much from them during the preseason, but with the addition of Khalil Mack and seeing them play through the first four weeks, that gives me hope and confidence in this team. Their win total, that's going to depend on how the rest of the NFC North shapes up. If it continues in this trend with the Vikings underperforming and the Packers looking average, the Bears could finish as division winners with 11 wins. But I'm still thinking nine wins is a little more realistically. And even at nine wins, they could still push for a playoff spot come week 17. Another contender, the Baltimore Ravens. Since a Super Bowl win in 2012, after giving Joe Flacco one of the largest contracts in NFL history, the Ravens have fallen flat. 
and they've looked like a very average football team the last few years. But we're four games through the NFL season this year. Joe Flacco's playing lights out. He's playing some of the best football I've seen him play in a long time. Their defense is top-notch, even though they do play a lot better at home than on the road. But we know how important defense is to the team in Baltimore. It's been their pedigree for almost the last 20 years. And Flacco playing great football takes a lot of pressure off that D, and it puts them in great position to win. They do play in the AFC North, which has loads of talent, and with other games against teams like the Titans, Saints, uh, Chiefs, and Chargers, they're definitely not a lock to win the division or even make the playoffs, but they're definitely a contender. With the Steelers seemingly falling apart, the Bengals being anything but consistent year in and year out, and the Browns not quite being there yet, this could be the Ravens' division to lose, especially if Cincinnati takes a step back. And that leads us to Cincinnati. How Marvin Lewis still has a job is something that comes up at least once a year by fans and analysis across the country. Those conversations haven't really begun just yet because the Bengals, they started strong this year with a 3-1 record. They've put up at least 27 points in three of their first four games to start the year. And their defense looks disruptive. Injuries aren't helping them with tailback Joe Mixon and uh, tight end Tyler Eifert nursing injuries. And they're expected to be out for a prolonged period of time. I've been wrong before about Cincinnati, and you can easily swap them for the Ravens in this list, but I have more faith that the Ravens are going to finish the season atop of the AFC North standings. And for my last pretender, it's pretty obvious. We're going down to the beaches of Miami. I'm not sure I've ever seen a worse team start 3-1 in my life. I won't even mention the absolute beatdown the Patriots laid on the Dolphins this past Sunday. But what I will mention is that Adam Gase is not NFL head coaching material. He's just not. Their passing offense and passing coverage both rank in the bottom 10 through the first four weeks, and they don't uh, rank much better elsewhere. The fact that this team is 3-1 and one is amazing. The ageless Frank Gore. He's the only bright spot of the team. As he's averaged four yards a carry. It's not that good, four yards a carry, but for a running back of his age and longevity in the league, that's very impressive to me four yards a carry. The Dolphins, they're a dumpster fire, and they'll prove that in the coming weeks if you're not convinced yet, and I'm predicting they end the season with a top five draft pick. And it's time for the JF Stacks waiver wire pickup of the week, presented to you by yours truly with an assist from the man, the myth, the legend, John Foyles, aka JF Stacks, aka Stacks, or simply Foyles. After much debate of who should be the JF Stacks waiver wire pickup of the week, one name that kept popping up was Mitchell Trubisky, second-year quarterback from the Chicago Bears. And as impressive as Old Mitch was on Sunday, it was only his second game with multiple touchdown passes. Granted, six touchdowns is a lot, but he only ever had multiple passing touchdowns in one other game of his career. And that was in week two against Seattle. It was also the only, it was only his second career game with over 300 passing yards. So while it was an inspiring performance from Mitch, and depending on the quarterback depth of your fantasy team, he may be worth a roster spot, but I need to see more of him before I can name him the JF Stacks waiver wire pickup of the week, okay? No, this spot is only reserved for the most deserving, and this week, your JF Stacks waiver wire pickup of the week is Ryan Grant, wide receiver from the Indianapolis Colts. Guy's got a whopping... 18 catches on the year. He's only got one touchdown on the year and hasn't had a 100-yard game just yet. But hear me out. 
He's only seen 23 targets this year. And those 18 catches show me he's built a rapport with Andrew Luck. With T.Y. Hilton out at least this week against the New England Patriots, Ryan Grant is worth a roster spot and maybe even a starting gig in New England. The Patriots' secondary has been suspect, and Andrew Luck's starting to look like his old self again. If you're in a 12-team league or you maybe you had T.Y. Hilton, pick up Grant, as Hilton's dealing with multiple injuries. Obviously, if you have a better replacement for T.Y. Hilton, by all means, start him. But currently being owned in just 14% of ESPN Fantasy Leagues, go get yourself Ryan Grant. He will be Andrew Luck's favorite target while T.Y. Hilton is out of action. Now here's something to think about. The Browns should be 4-0. The Cleveland Browns should be 4-0. Let that sink in for a second. They're not, but they should be. And last week I discussed how they should be 3-0. And then Sunday happened against the Raiders. Great game, great game. Terrible officiating. The Browns should be undefeated. They should be 4-0 instead of 1-2-1. And And by the way, before I continue, I'd appreciate it if you people would stop trying to guess which team I'm a fan of based on who I'm high on week after week. It's getting pretty old. I don't understand the obsession. You know, first it was that no-good, stinking, yo-yo, waste-of-life Brian from Jersey thinking I'm a Patriots fan. Now it's another dummy, probably Brian's retarded brother. He thinks I'm a Browns fan. I didn't catch his name. This Yahoo. I deleted his quicker than a Hillary Clinton email. I'm not a Browns fan just because I thought they'd best the Raiders last week. I don't know what's the matter with you people. The Browns are literally a couple of plays and missed calls away from being undefeated, but they're not. And I should be undefeated picking games, but I'm not. And the reason I'm not is because I refuse to pick easy games. Sure, I could pad my overall record by taking the Rams over the Seahawks this week, but I'm not going to do that because it's not fun. The only time I might get a break is when the Sunday or Monday night games work in my favor, because I'm going to pick those every week no matter what. There are no easy games, and this week is no different. In fact, this week might prove to be the most difficult, starting with the Atlanta Falcons visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers. These two teams have only met a a combined total of 16 times, and the Steelers have won 13 of those games. Atlanta has won only two of those games, and the leftover game resulted in a tie. The most recent meeting between the two was in 2014, and the Steelers won that game 27-20 behind Le'Veon Bell's two touchdowns. This game might be even more high-scoring, with neither defense deciding to show up this year. These were two teams that a lot of people predicted meeting in the Super Bowl in uh, February. But both teams sit in last place currently in their division. Falcons entering this game at 1-3, the Steelers 1-2-1. And one thing is for certain... The loser of this game faces an extremely difficult uphill climb just to make the playoffs. Imagine that. What a difference a month makes, am I right? On paper, this game's a toss-up. A coin flip, if you will. The game's basically even with the Steelers given the home field advantage field goal to the Falcons. The over-under is currently set at 57.5. As far as the Falcons go, for the second time in two weeks, they've lost home games on a last-second play. Injuries on defense have mounted up, and it's caught up with them. They're 1-2 and two in their last three, but they've scored at least 31 points in each game. That's a problem, as they head into a hostile Pittsburgh environment to play a Steelers team, who are equally as desperate for a win. Pittsburgh has looked good in the first half of games, 
but they've been outscored 29 to nothing in the second half of games the last two weeks. This figures to be a high-scoring affair, and I'm going to go with the over. It might prove to pay off, but I'm going to take the Steelers at home this week to get back on track by a score of 41 to 34. And the games don't get any easier from there because up next is the undefeated Chiefs hosting the 3-1 Jacksonville Jaguars. The first real good defense that Patrick Mahomes will see in his young career is the one the Jaguars bring to Kansas City on Sunday. The line currently sits at minus 3 for the home team with an over-under line of 49. One thing we know about Blake Trash Bortles is that he plays relatively well against lousy defenses. And the Chiefs have more than a lousy defense. Leonard Fournette's not going to play Sunday, and that's a blow to the Jacksonville backfield. But filling in admirably for him will be TJ Eldon. And TJ can absolutely give this defense fits. On the other side of the ball, as we talked about, Mahomes, has, he's played about as perfect as a quarterback can play through the first four games of the season. As soon as he slips up, so will this team. He's the sole reason they're 4-0, and he can't afford to make any mistakes. If your team's that bad, where your quarterback, who's 23 years old, cannot afford to make mistakes, that's a problem. And the Jacksonville defense, it thrives off of offensive mistakes. The key to a Jacksonville victory will be to keep Mahomes in the pocket and frustrated. If you give him time, he'll piece you up. If you let him run around, he'll piece you up. You need to not let this man dictate the pace of the game. And I think that the Jaguars can do that. And that's why I'm picking the Jags to win this game. And it may be the start of yet another Kansas City meltdown. Jacksonville comes out on top by the score of 27 to 21. I'm taking a trip from the Midwest to the East Coast for a rematch of the NFC Championship game from last year as the struggling Vikings uh, visit the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in a game it has got to be more competitive than the one we saw in January, right? A Super Bowl hangover, to me, it's a real thing, and the Eagles are the latest example to experience it. However, despite a loss to the Titans last week, which was a game I thought everyone was crazy for dismissing Tennessee's chances, but the Eagles are still getting healthier. They've got Carson Wentz back. He just needs to find his groove. And they've got Alshon Jeffrey back, and he looked great on Sunday. They are great at stopping the run. The Vikings' run game is non-existent right now, and they can limit Kirk Cousins. Now, speaking of Kirk Cousins, he has more than lived up to the hype. And if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you'll see exactly why I thought the $28 million he's getting this year is worth the upgrade of quarterback over Case Keenum. The Vikings' defense, however, is in shambles. I'm a bit worried that whatever their issue is, the 10 days that they've had since their last game, it might not be enough to heal this group completely. They look slow, they look outmatched, and they just don't look confident. They're too talented of a team for this to be the end of them. And I think they'll get it together eventually. I'm just not sure it happens on Sunday. The over-under is currently set at 45.5, uh, and the Eagles are giving Vikings three points. With the loss here, I, I don't think either team should feel desperate because they're both extremely talented, and their schedules ease up the next few weeks with easier games, especially Minnesota's schedule. So no need to panic here, but a victory over the other should be a confidence booster for whichever team comes out on top. And I'm going to go with the Eagles by a score of 30-24. to 24. Now finally, finally, after three extremely boring games that we just talked about, nothing to see there, 
finally, we can get to Sunday Night Football, which I'm sure everyone's dying to hear about. It's the Battle of Texas. It's the Dallas Cowboys making the trek about 250 miles south to to the city of Houston to take on the Texans in a game that no one outside of Texas is very excited for. No one cares. The 1-3 Texans... They're currently favored over the 2-2 two and two Cowboys by 3.5 points, and the over-under set at 45. I'm not sure what to make of the Texans right now. They have all the talent in the world on defense. They've got a quarterback who could make plays with his arms and legs, and they've got receivers who can make life very easy for said quarterback. But no matter how much talent you have, if your record says you're 3-1, and one, you're 3-1. and one. They did get their first victory of the season last week against the Colts in overtime. It's a great game, and it nearly ended in a tie. You've got every reason to believe they'll get their second win of the season this week against the Cowboys team, who, as I said last week, it's all 100% Ezekiel Elliott over there. He proved it on Sunday with over 230 yards from scrimmage against the Lions, and even though Dak Prescott threw for 255 yards against the Lions, the guy's garbage. My mind's made up. Big deal. 255 yards against the Lions. The guy's garbage. The whole offense is garbage except for Zeke. And Dak still hasn't thrown for 300 yards in a game. I don't even know how long it's been. He's just absolutely 100% grade A trash. And it's only a matter of time before the Cowboys are looking for another quarterback and coach too. You would think. I don't know how Jason Garrett still has a job there. It just doesn't make sense with me. I'm going with the home team in Houston to pick up the victory over Dak Trash Scott and the Cowboys by a score of 24-13. to 13. On to Monday Night Football, you're going to see the Red Hot Saints host the Redskins. And we're going to see some history in that game. Peyton Manning currently holds the record for the most passing yards in NFL history with 71,940. Brett Favre in second place at 71,838. Eight yards and old Drew Brees sitting there at third place 71,740 yards that means if you can do math 201 passing yards on Monday night that's all Drew Brees is going to need to eclipse both Favre and Manning in that category and he'll become immortal and he'll hit 200 yards without a problem that's all that needs to be said about that game it's going to be a special night on Monday for Drew Brees the Saints and the entire city And I don't think there's anything that Washington can bring to the table that's going to crash the party in NOLA. Final score, Saints 34, Redskins 17. And that, my friends, is a wrap on this week's episode of the Join My League Football Podcast. Remember, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, those things exist, and so do I. So get at me on there. Don't be like Brian and his retarded brother and try to guess who I'm a fan of. You're just going to get called out, and you're not going to have any way to defend yourself. And just know I've been nice so far. I really have been. I've been really nice. You idiots keep this up and it's going to get a lot worse. I'm on there for conversations about upcoming football games and what's going on around the league. It's not about fandom, okay, capiche? Until next Friday, enjoy the games. I hope your team wins, unless, of course, they're playing mine. Kill your fantasy league and have a fantastic weekend.